Genesis 24, if you'll turn your Bibles there, Genesis 24. Genesis 24, beginning with verse 56. And he said to them, do not hinder me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me away so that I may go to my master. These are the words spoken by the servant of Abraham to Rebekah's brother Laban and her mother as they tried to delay the servant from taking Rebekah to Isaac as they had promised that she could do. Most of you had this Bible story in your class today. Abraham, as an old man, asked his most trusted servant to go into the land where he was born and find a wife for his son Isaac. And he made him swear that he, he wouldn't take Isaac back into the land, but he would bring the woman to Isaac because that was the promised land, the land that had been promised to him by God. And so the servant, faithful servant, went to the land and he found Abraham's people and he sat beside a well and prayed to God and asked God, Dear Lord, uh, let the one, let the woman uh, be the pick that comes and if I ask her for a drink, she'll give me a drink and say, not only a drink for you, but I'll also water all of your camels. And that's exactly what happened. It says before, before the words really got out of his mouth, good. Here comes Rebecca. And she was beautiful. And she was a virgin, a pure virgin. Perfect for Isaac. And he asks her, will you give me a drink? And she lowers the pitcher down and gives him a drink. He said, I'll not only give you a drink, I'll, I'll water your whole... It could have took two hours watering all ten camels. And so he gives her a, an amount of gold, a gold ring for her nose and gold rings for her bracelet. I mean, gold bracelets for her wrists. And he, he she... He asks, is there room at your house? And she says, yes, there's, there's room and feed and food. And come on, come on back home. And, and they go. They, they go back to, to her house and there Laban comes. He comes out and meets and he sees how wealthy this servant is. And, and the servant tells Laban all about Abraham. Before, they, before Laban would even... He would even let Laban feed him. He says, no, I've got to tell you about this. I've got to tell you about my mission before I do anything else. And he tells Laban about it. And they say, well, here's Rebecca. Take her. Take her. And then a little while later, we get to this point in the story and, and, and the mother and, and Laban, they, they really don't want Rebecca to go, it seems like. Maybe that's it. Maybe they just don't want Rebecca to go. Or maybe they see an opportunity. Later, we're going to see uh, probably more of the story where Laban saw a greedy opportunity. And this servant says, don't hinder me. 
since the Lord has prospered my way, since the Lord has made all this work out, don't hinder me. There are many people in this story, but I want to look briefly at at five of them. Five people in this story. And their responsibility in making everything go as God had planned it. Isaac and Rebekah were truly a match made in heaven. God had promised that from Isaac the descendants of Abraham would be as many as the stars. This is a story where everyone seems to be in sync. Like I said this morning, there's a father who wants the best for his son, a servant committed to following his master's commands, a young woman committed to leaving her family behind if it means doing God's will, a young man in need of comfort, and a God who wants to fulfill a promise, a promise that he had made to his servant. Abraham wanted the best for his son, just like any father would today. He was concerned enough to make his trusted servant swear to look for a good girl. Not a godless Canaanite woman, but one from among his own people. Now I'm not saying there were no nice Canaanite girls. (laughs) There might have been some very fine Canaanite girls. They may have been very nice people, and they may have done a lot of good for others. But Abraham didn't want that for his son. He wanted a God-fearing wife for his son. Abraham knew they would be unequally yoked. And the promise of a nation was riding on getting this right. Abraham knew that. Abraham was going to do this God's way. He was going to make sure that it was done God's way. The servant, chosen no doubt for his years of service and loyalty, he had had control of all of Abraham's house. He believed Abraham. He believed what Abraham told him about God. In verse 12, he too prayed to God asking for a sign. And he was smart enough to recognize when his prayer was answered. Like I said this morning, you know, some wouldn't know answered prayer. If it reached up, it just smacked them in the face. The servant fulfilled his master's request and found the promised girl and brought her home to his master. And Rebecca was beautiful inside and out. She was a beautiful girl. She was a pure virgin, the perfect woman for the promise of God to be fulfilled through God's, through God's will. His angel had truly gone out before this servant because she was perfect and she was smart and she was a hard worker and she was smart. She knew a good thing when she saw it. She would have had to draw the picture 80 to 100 times. And it would have taken her about two hours to water all those camels. Even when she met Isaac for the first time, she was perfect. The first thing she did was get off that camel. And the next thing she did was put the veil on. Girls, 
in this audience, I'm talking old to young, boys like mystery. Boys like mystery. They don't like, boy, most boys don't like every, you, you showing, them, showing them everything. They don't. Isaac still sad about the death of his mother. He had no clue what was about to happen. He was in a field meditating. Some say the word means lamenting. He was grieving over the loss of his mother. How many of us have grieved only to have something awesome happen? And God, God in his providence, God is giving everyone a fighting chance, making his promises happen. It was God's providence that Isaac and Rebekah should be together. Do you know what providence is? Do you understand providence? It's one thing to quote Romans chapter 8 verse 28. And we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It's one thing to quote this and quite another to understand this verse. What we're really talking about is is providence or, or forethought. The forethought of God, the foresight of God. The word providence comes from the root, root word provide, from the Latin provideer. It means to foresee. The corresponding Greek word that we're concerned about is proinoa, means forethought. Forethought, foresight implies a, a future end, a goal, and a definite purpose and plan for attaining that end. In other words, while miraculous acts of God can be described as providential, the concept of providence is generally used to describe care through natural means. If you can see from the graph that I have here on the screen, there are two senses of God's providence. There's general and there's special. And we're not talking about the miraculous. We're talking about God's providence, his natural providence. General providence, general providence is, is, is the care of, that God exercises over, let's say, the natural world. If you look at Psalm 104, 14, he causes the grass to grow for the cattle. Sorry, he causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man that he may bring forth food from the earth. It's a, it's a, it's a providence, it's a... It's a it, it's a, an act of God, a, a natural providence over the, over the animal world. Matthew 10, 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? God has control over these things. The affairs of men in general. If you look at Job twelve twenty three, He makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and he guides them. How does God do this? Well, by his providence. Matthew 5, 45, he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He makes the, the rain fall on the just and the unjust. That's God's providence, his, his natural providence, general providence. 
Then there's the unmistakable special providence as seen from Scripture. Psalm 37 verse 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And this only happens to the good. I want you to see this, that God's providence only happens to the good. He uphold, How does he do that? How does he uphold the good man? How does he uphold the righteous man? How does he keep him from falling? Through his providence. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him. Notice, and he shall direct your paths. Notice the path is directed for those who acknowledge him. Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. The promise of the things of God have a condition attached to them, don't they? Back to Romans 8.28, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things working together for your good. Here are some observations of the word all. The good or bad things of your life. The good or bad things of your life. All of them bring you nearer to God. All of them bring you near to God. They keep you from sin. They provide a way of escape for you. They correct you. They instruct you all to keep the spiritual good of the Christian intact. But it only happens to those who, to those who love God. First John chapter two, and verse five. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. How do we love? How, how do we love God? Whoever keeps his word. But there are some things to keep in mind in regards to the special providence of God. The ultimate end sought is man's spiritual good, not man's material benefit. God's not up there just ready to write a check or give us a new Mercedes when we ask for it. Everything is for our spiritual good. Material blessings may come to one as a result of providence, yet God may allow financial hardship to come to get you to pay attention <laughs> he may use some kind of physical trial or, 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 or accident to get you to pay attention whatever he deems suitable for our spiritual benefit Romans 5, 3 and 5 and not only that but we also glory in tribulations knowing that Tribulation produces perseverance. We don't get the perseverance without the tribulation. That's God's providence. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when I fall into various trials. 
knowing that the testing of your faith does what? Produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So we conclude here that his ultimate goal is our spiritual good and we, we shouldn't presume all things are the result of, of, of special providence. Things may happen, if you look over at Ecclesiastes, things may happen that are accidental or just coincidental. It says in Ecclesiastes 9 verse 11, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. Sometimes it's just because that happens. That's just the way it is. And you didn't do anything or somebody else didn't do anything to cause it. Just the way the rain fell that day. Or the wind blew. Too many folks credit God or give Him the blame for every good or every bad thing that happens in life. Have you ever heard folks like that? Have you ever heard folks, they, they blame God for the bad things, but they praise God for the good things. Some things may be the result of, of Satan. You ever thought about that? Remember Job? Remember Job? We've got to watch out for the devil. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You're suffering. Peter says it. You're suffering. Does that sound like the blessings of God? Well, it very well may be. Because it's testing your faith and it's drawing you closer to God. Fountainhead, are we being tested? Are we being tested? Will we stand up and rise to God's occasion and give Him the glory? Or will we defeat ourselves? Sometimes folks give God the blame for things that may be the consequence of evil men's actions. Of course, God's special providence, it helps us overcome such, such things. He says in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nothing can separate us from Christ. Nothing can separate us from His love. God's promise of care does not mean, though, that he will automatically give every good person a free pass to heaven. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That's God's providence working in you for his good pleasure, not for our good pleasure. We've got to really take ourselves out of this and give God the glory and God the praise. We must work out our salvation with fear and trembling, Matthew 6, and seek his will first. And that seems to be exactly what's happening in Genesis 24 in the account where everyone seems to have fulfilled their responsibility. That's what I like about this. 
They've, ref- they've fulfilled, even, if the, even in, in the face of, of adver- adver- adversaries like Laban and his mama, they fulfilled their duties. They fulfilled their responsibilities. Especially Rebecca. I like this girl. Hope my son has a wife like Rebecca. Beautiful. A virgin. Did you know, and this is a side note, I don't know if I ought to bring this up or not. Did you know if you're not a virgin, you can be one again? Did you know that? Did you know if, just like, you know, in, 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 in John chapter 3, Nicodemus asked, how can I, how can I be born again? How, but am I going to crawl back into my mama's womb and be born again? How could you be a virgin again? Boys and girls. Well, you can. First John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Ask God to forgive you. And He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And then like Jesus told the adulterous woman, go and sin no more. He will forgive you. Rebecca was a hard worker. That's what I liked about her. She was adventurous. She had faith in God and she didn't, you know, she didn't know this man with all the bling and the camels, the Mercedes of the day. She didn't know this guy. But she was willing. I mean, he could have taken her off into slavery for all she knew. But she trusted Rebecca's faithfulness in the small things played right into fulfilling God's will. Michael Whitworth suggests that God's providence and our responsibility are like two pedals on a bicycle. One drives the other. God's providence drives our responsibility. Our responsibility drives God's providence. His will is going to be done no matter what. If we believe in God's providence, we will act faithfully in as many ways as possible, large or small, in order to give God opportunity to bring glory to His name. Not our name, but His name. What can we do? Well, for starters, we can sweat the small stuff. Now, I didn't say don't sweat the small stuff, did I? That's what this book was about. Some have taken this American idiom in the book by the same name, don't sweat the small stuff, too far. We've taken it too far. We do that in America. We get a little bumper sticker uh, saying going and we get it in our mind and we just run with it. Don't sweat the small stuff. And look at the little, little uh, uh, title there and it's all small stuff. No, sir, it's not. It's not all small stuff. Some of it, we as Christians, we need to sweat and labor over. Office gossip, hey, don't sweat it. Unruly service or an unruly customer, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Bad traffic, late late plane, wrong order at the drive-thru, don't sweat that stuff. Living the Christian life, oh, you better believe it. We need to start sweating that. I think that's our problem. We've stopped sweating that. 
That's huge in our life, brothers and sisters. As Christians, to realize God's wonderful promises, we have responsibilities. We have responsibilities that we must attend to. We have a responsibility to God and Christ. To, to revere them and humble ourselves before them. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. That sounds like some special providence, doesn't it? That He's going to exalt us. Those of us who have humbled ourselves. To love God and obey our master. He says in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. How do we love God by doing what he says by doing what he says to worship God in spirit and in truth John 4 24 to provide and accept our reasonable service Romans 12 verse 1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present yourselves as a living sacrifice this is our reasonable service to be faithful unto death Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. We have responsibilities to God and, and to our family, to our husbands and wives. Husbands, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, are to love their wives. Wives are to respect their husbands. Christian children, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, are to obey their parents. Parents are not to provoke their children. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. We are to take care of our families. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worthless as an unbeliever. We've got to make sure that we take care of our families because we have a responsibility to our families. And we have a responsibility to our government as well. We are subject to our government. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. We're, we're to obey our government. Titus chapter 3 and verse 1. We're to pay our taxes. Romans chapter 13 verses 6 and 7. And not speak evil of our government. Acts chapter 23 verse 5. We have responsibilities as a Christian to not only our government, not only to our families, not only to God and Christ, but we have a responsibility to the world. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We owe the world that. We owe the world that. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10, we're to do good unto all men. Mark chapter 12 verse 31, we're to love our neighbor. To set an example for those outside the church, the, 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 from the church to follow, we, Philippians chapter 1 verse 27, are servants and we're not to be quarrel, but we're to be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correct, correcting those who are in opposition. That's the kind of people we should be. We should deal honestly with all men. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. And repay no one evil for evil. That's our responsibility to, to the world. And we have a responsibility to our brethren. As Christians, we need to love each other. John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you. This is by Jesus. To love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. That's, that's our job. That's our job. That's our responsibility as Christians. 
to love our brethren, to build each other up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. To do good unto all men, Galatians 6, 10, especially those of the household of faith. To exhort one another, Hebrews 3.13. To admonish one another when we do wrong, Romans chapter 15 verse 14. To rebuke each other. Hey, it says in Luke 17 verse 3, take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. To restore our brethren, James James chapter 5 verses 19 through 20. To restore our brethren, we'll cover a multitude of sins. That's our job. That's our responsibility. We as Christians will let no one despise our youth or any other age. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12, but be an example to the believers in word. There's a lot of the young people out there that could quote this with me. A couple, a bunch of them went and ate pizza today, didn't you? We're to be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. That's right. That's right. These are our responsibility. Sweat this small stuff. Work hard. Sweat hard. Work hard. Get dirty with this. This is important. It's not all small stuff. Notice what happens when we're faithful in these, in these little things. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 25. And we'll end here. Matthew 25. Beginning with verse 14, this is the parable of the talents. And many of you know this, this parable. This is the story where Jesus, that Jesus tells of a man... A rich man who was going to go off into a far country. And he gave one servant five talents. It's an amount of money. He gave one servant two talents. A smaller amount of money. He gave one servant one talent. Again, a a smaller amount of money. And he went away. And when he came back, I want you to notice the wording that the master uses. When he came back, the one with five talents had gained five more. The one with two talents had gained two more. The one with one talent had dug a hole and put his one talent in the ground. Notice the wording, verse 21, Matthew 25, verse 21. Notice the wording to the five-talent servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. It's the same exact wording in verse 23 of the two-talent man. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Those who did the work did so without expecting a reward. But by their work put themselves in a position... To enjoy God's providence. Verse 29. For everyone who has more will be given. And he will have an abundance. God was ready to bless Abraham. God was ready to bless Abraham. He had promised Abraham. And guess what? Abraham was ready. His servant was ready. Rebecca was ready. 
Isaac was ready. And God delivered. God is ready to bless you. Are you ready? You are here today. Will you, like the servant, insist and proclaim today, don't hinder me. Let me go to my master. If that's you, come right now. As together we stand and sing.